There it is. Welcome in. It's a Warrior Wednesday, and we have a warrior with us, Jeff Kerr from CBS. Thrilled to have Jeff with me. Obviously, Jody McDonald has abandoned ship. Not forever. Just a couple days. He's down in Key West, so he's living the life I want to leave, uh, lead, Jeff, at least for a couple days. I mean, anybody who's been to Key West, that's, that's a fun place to be, and uh, we hope Jody's having fun. Yeah, and it's uh, Thursday. Um, I screwed up. I don't even know what day it is. Once I travel. Um, so what does Nick Sirianni call Thursdays? I'm trying to, it's Warrior Wednesday, it's Focus Friday, and it's Unfocused Thursday. So we'll, well we'll talk that. on Thursday. So I yeah. guess it, we don't have a day for Thursday yet. Well, That's yesterday true. was definitely Warrior Wednesday in the NFL. Job. It's, 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 it's red zone and third down day. So how, how, how we'll say that. So the Eagles will be back on the practice field for the Los Angeles Chargers. Don't want to screw up two things. I could have said San Diego Chargers, Jeff. So at least I got the Los Angeles Chargers right. Justin Herbert, uh, really a, I don't know about you, but I love that kid as, as you know, if I were to pick one young quarterback that I wanted, and we have this definition, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is still a young quarterback. But if you talk about the guys over, say, the past two years that have come in this league, I'd rather have him as a quarterback than anybody else. Your thoughts on that? So when the 2020 draft happened, I thought all three quarterbacks were going to be good. You know, I, I really like Joe Burrow. Obviously, he was going to go number one. Herbert was one of those guys. I I really like. I'm like, okay, it all depends on the situation he's in. I thought the Dolphins were actually going to get him, and Tua was going to fall to the Chargers, but it kind of flip flopped. And yeah, I thought Tua was in a good situation. Obviously, that's not panning out the way I initially thought. But Herbert, when he went to the Chargers, I'm like, oh man, he's going to put some huge numbers there just with his frame and you know Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and. All that talent around him, Austin Eckler. I, I really liked him from the get-go. But if you ask me to rank the three, I was I said Herbert was going to be third. I still thought he'd be a Pro Bowl quarterback, but I'm really paying for that decision. I should have just went with my guts and said, you know what, Justin Herbert's better than two, and I didn't. Yeah, you're not the only one. Obviously, I think the Miami Dolphins are sick about that. I, I, you know, I think Cincinnati's fine. I'm a little concerned with Joe Burrow and the fact that he had that significant injury. I was more concerned coming into this season because we in Philadelphia know better than most people. He tore his ACL, but he also tore his LCL. And if that rings familiar, <clears throat> that's because that's what happened to Carson Wentz in uh, December of 2017 against the Los Angeles Rams towards ACL and this LCL guy was never the same. I saw it up close. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's had some success over the years in 2018 here, 2019 before things came off the rails. And obviously he's having some, I don't know, what do you want to call it in Indianapolis, Jeff success? I, he's, he's okay. He's not been terrible like he was, Last year, there are moments when he's terrible, but that's a significant injury. And I remember we had Mike Tannenbaum on the show, and he mentioned he was concerned about Joe Burrow coming into the draft because he has a, a slight lower half of his body, very slight frame, and he was concerned uh, about that. And ultimately, it ended up being that and working out that way and he was injured where well, you look at Justin Herbert and I go back, that's the point. 
you know, that guy is a big, strong pocket passer. And that's what the Eagles are dealing with. And that's where I guess we'll start first with this game on the horizon now is Kent, you know, I think everybody was excited about how things unfolded in Detroit. And I think we get on this roller coaster, there's kind of some kind of formula. They found the formula. I don't think you found the formula because if you do what you did against Detroit, well, it's not Jared Goff. It's not Amon Ross St. Brown. It's not uh, Khalif Raymond. It's Justin Herbert. It's Keenan Allen. It's Mike Williams and everybody else they bring to the team. Yeah, John. And one thing I like to point out with the Chargers offense right now, I think Baltimore might have, I don't want to see they expose them, but I think there's got to be adjustments made to that offense. Uh, when I was at that game a couple weeks ago, what I liked what Baltimore did was they sent five guys and they said, all right, we don't really care if you beat us up top. If you beat us up top, great. You know, we have the personnel to do that. But what I liked is they kind of – they knew the Chargers couldn't run the ball effectively. I, I think Justin Herbert was the leading rusher in that game, and he had 12 yards on two carries. It, it wasn't much. So they kind of took away the run, then they sent an extra attacker and said, all, all right, you know, let's see what you can do here. And, you know, Jared Cook did not have a good day. He was not running accurate routes. And, uh, you know, Herbert kind of has that Mahomes part in him where he is looking for the big play and, you know, instead of taking the five to seven yard, you know, easy shots. And I, I, I think it burned him because, you know, he, he was off the entire afternoon. I, I remember in the first quarter – Mike Williams was open against Marlon Humphrey, and uh, Williams was obviously bothered by the knee injury, but Herbert just flat out missed him. It would have been 7 nothing. It was an extra <clears throat> I'm just thinking to myself, okay, th- something's up with Justin Herbert today, and I just chalked it up as a bad game. So I'm watching the Patriots game this week because they were coming off a bye, and it was kind of the same thing. It's a, I-, I think the Williams knee injury plays a big role in that. So where I'm getting this is I think the Eagles should – continue that jump again game plan a little bit of just blitzing the quarterback more if he beat you over the top he beat you over the top well that's interesting because if you think about and this was not very popular jeff the way that jonathan gannon played defense early in the season especially against the better quarterbacks the eagles face and there were a lot of them in that first portion of the schedule his goal was to play a lot of cover two his goal was to force them to go the length of the field, uh, 13, 14 play drives, 75, 80 yards. And the assumption from NFL defensive coaches is something's going to happen. There's going to be a false start. There's going to be a holding penalty. There's going to be something uh, that sets a team behind the sticks. Then you get off the field. That's the philosophy. Now, you go up against a Tom Brady he's smart enough and he's just going to pick that apart. He's going to say, Oh, you're going to give me seven, eight yards. I'll take seven, eight yards a chunk and go methodically down the field with a younger quarterback. That might be a good plan. If he's trying to force the football in the cover two into that kind of shell, then you have a chance for some turnovers, but the Philadelphia fans want to hear that. They want to go get the quarterback, go get the quarterback, go get the quarterback Madden. Blitz, 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 blitz. Is that the prudent thing to do this week? I think you should blitz a bit. Like, I think you should challenge Herbert and kind of get him off his spot. But I do agree with you. Like, if, if This is why I think Gannon's going to go back to the Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes thing. I, and, you know, like you said, Brady, Brady is cerebral enough. 
where he can just be like, okay, the the seven, eight yard dink and dunk, that's fine. Mahomes was doing that during the Chiefs game, but then he got a little bit testy, and that's where Eric Wilson had the interception off him. And I think maybe Gannon's thinking, okay, Herbert's not as accurate toward an Austin Eckler when he's in the slot. Because in my opinion, Eckler isn't – he's being used right by the scheme. But Herbert's not getting the ball to him as well as he was last year. And same with Jared Cook. He's looking for the big plays to Keenan Allen, to Mike Williams. Now, this week I got to give him credit. You know, he did find Keenan Allen on the short stuff. But I think it's good to kind of play two safeties high. And then you send that extra attacker just kind of get Herbert on the roll. Here's what I'm scared with Justin Herbert is. He's a pretty mobile quarterback, Jim. Yeah. I, I I don't think people realize that, you know, you have the mentality. Jalen Hurts, obviously, on the Eagles side. Well, you know, I mean, that's a big part of his game. That's arguably the biggest part of his game. And you know, as an opposing uh, defensive coordinator against the Eagles, um, you got to find a way to force Jalen Hurts to stay in the pocket. We, we, we often talk about, you just mentioned, um, getting quarterbacks – off their spots, generally, that's what you want to do with high-level throwers, make them uncomfortable. In the case of Jalen Hurts, you want him in the pocket. You don't want him scrambling out and killing you that way. So with Justin Herbert, I think, you know, you have to approach it, and that's what makes it so difficult. You have to approach it as you want to make him uncomfortable. You want to get him off his spots. But you can't worry as much about that running portion of the game, and that's when guys can hurt you. That's what Aaron Rodgers has done for years. Nobody really goes into a game and says, we're going to stop Aaron Rodgers from running the football. But you see two or three big first downs almost weekly where he just takes it and 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 takes that hidden yardage, as 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 the Eagles like to call it. Uh, I mean, Nick Sirianni likes to call it because you can't, you need a 12th defender to, to, to handle both things. And look, I don't want to say Justin Herbert's at that level right now, but he's the kind of guy who was sneaky athletic and he can pull the football down and, and run it and hurt you in that way as well. Yeah. Um, in that Ravens Chargers game, Herbert ran for a first down, and it was the only time Chargers could run the ball all day. And Clayus Campbell, you saw him get up, and he's like, "Wait, he got first down off that? Like, because he was getting pressured and went to his left, and all of a sudden he's running for a first down. I thought he was sacked. I, I forget who was near him, but then he just takes off, and then you know, I'm looking at Campbell because he's down on the ground, and he looked up. He's like, "Wait, it was third, third and nine. <laughs> and you know, I. He is sneaky athletic, John. And I'll tell you what, just from seeing him up close, and I'm not a tall guy. I'm 5'6". He's tall. He is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. He, he is, is the old school. That's what the Eagles want a quarterback, if you're being honest. He is, you know, the big pocket passer who can make every throw. Um, and you hope he develops, you know, the other stuff as you go on. But – that's still the easiest way to win in this league. It really is. I mean, if you can throw the football, especially in the modern NFL, look, everything is slanted towards you. Everything is skewed towards the offense. The vast majority of rule changes over the years, we we know. You see, you saw it last week, Jeff, whether it was Mike White with the Jets, 
throwing for he was over 400 wasn't he yeah 400. Um, Cooper, Cooper Rush on on Sunday night football uh throwing for over 300 against a good defense I put that in quotation um it's easier to throw the ball than ever in the NFL and I think that's why fans get frustrated when you can't throw the football and we're going to get to that when it comes to the Eagles and we break down what's going on with them offensively. I do want to uh, stay um, in the league perspective. And we mentioned Aaron Rodgers. I want to bring up him real quick before we get to the first break. Are you immunized, Jeff? Are you? Are you? I'm vaccinated. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, we found out that doesn't mean the same thing, apparently, over the last 24 hours. You know, I remember when he said that. I think it was like in late August. It was like the only time he spoke to the media. I'm like, what is he talking about? It kind of swept under the rug a little bit. I think uh, Rob, uh, I can never say his last name, uh, the ESPN Packers reporter. I remember he wrote something about it. He goes, he wrote a column like, is Aaron Rodgers vaccinated or not? And, you know, he said his quotes and people just slammed him for it. And I'm like, turned out he was right. I'd be patting myself yeah. right now, retweeting that tweet. And I, I was like, you know, we kind of skipped through it at CBS because we're like, we were tired of, you know, the Carson Wentz stuff and Kirk Cousins and all these guys are like, all right, this is getting old quick. You know, it, you know, it, you are, you are, if you aren't, you aren't, you know, it's their choice. They're going to have to pay for yeah. it for the regular season. Yeah. That's what happens when you have a union fighting for you. You know, um, you and I have to get vaccinated to, to cover games. So it's not an option, but it is, I do want to mention this Rob uh, Domofsky. So he was the one um, from ESPN. I wanted to give him credit for that, but um the thought process to me isn't, as you mentioned, Carson Wentz isn't vaccinated. Kirk Cousins isn't vaccinated. Lamar Jackson isn't vaccinated. For whatever reason, there's been a lot of high-profile quarterbacks who have chosen not to get vaccinated, which I think it's legitimate. It's a legitimate criticism to say, you know, you're a leader of this football team in theory maybe you should start thinking about some other things than what you're focused on. But that's a different conversation. The conversation I want to get in with you is, look, everybody kind of assumed that Rogers was vaccinated. So there looks like there's a lot of broken protocols, at least from the outside. I'm not Green Bay. I can't say that for certain. But I do know the NFL has um, – mandated you know there's cameras all over the place at the Novacare complex at all these practice facilities around um around the country and you saw what happened in Denver last year when their entire quarterback room was wiped out for a game that's because they were on film you know not following the protocols it certainly looks like the NFL has two sets of rules oh Aaron's a superstar we're not going to worry about Aaron Rodgers. Whereas if you're a nothing quarterback in Denver, a backup quarterback, we're going to shut you down. This is just another bad look for the league, isn't it? Yeah, I would think so. And, you know, it, it's funny because we talked about Lamar Jackson in there and the, everybody on the Ravens wears a mask, whether they're vaccinated or not. And when I asked the Ravens PR after the game, I said, Hey, is there a reason? They just, eh, they just decided to do that team policy. And, 
I'm like, okay, you know what? That's pretty smart. It kind of disguises who is and who isn't. And, you know, they all wore their masks in press conferences. They all spoke up well. And, you know, it, it's, you could tell, like, this was week six, week seven. I think it was week six at the time. And you could tell that they were all prepared for this, like John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, Devonta Freeman, uh, Jason Owe, uh, you know, all those guys. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, I figured many teams did this. And then, you know, you, you see this Aaron Rodgers thing. But you're right, John. It is a bad look for the league, especially after what happened last year with Denver. And that was one of the games I had to – do for CBS. I'm like, this is going to be interesting. Who's going to be the quarterback? <laughs> I remember going into that game. It was like an hour for the game, and people were asking me all the block. Who's the quarterback? I'm like, is, I guess it's Kendall Hinton. They're like, who's Kendall Hinton? Well, everybody knows who he is now. He actually caught a touchdown pass this year. So, yeah, it's really interesting how when you look at the league and how they treat certain players. And again, it's it's almost like the NFL is getting like the NBA now superstar league and you know we care more about the Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady Patrick Mahomes is of the world when they get hit late it's definitely a flag but when a Jalen Hurts gets hit because he's not a superstar maybe not and they'll say well he's taken off and it's kind of feeling that way with the vaccination process right now yeah you know Cam Newton talked about that a lot over the years I do think uh, mobile quarterbacks are at a bit of a disadvantage when it comes to those types of fouls. If you're a pocket quarterback, if you're Tom Brady and you're never leaving the pocket, you're just kind of moving around and he's phenomenal, by the way, with with understanding where he should be in the pocket, climbing in the pocket, sliding in the pocket. Um, yeah, you're going to get protected a little bit more. Whereas if you're Cam Newton, you're this big six foot five, two hundred sixty pound guy. They're like, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's and that has been in that same category. Just can, you know, get rushers off them at almost at will when they were in their prime. They give them a little bit. I've never had a problem with that as much as, but yeah, I mean. You're right about the NBA, and it, you know everybody talks about the Jordan rules, so to speak, and the quick whistles. And if you're a superstar, you're going to get some deference. There's no question that that superstars get some deference. I even see it on the offensive line. If you're, you know, I go way back. Obviously, everybody can see from uh, the beard and stuff. There were there was a right tackle named Tim Irwin. I've ever and I and I and I always, you know, Tim became an agent, so a lot of people still still know him. But um, he was a good player; he wasn't a great player. And we're going to get to a break quick, but I want to finish this. He was a good player. He gave Reggie White, maybe the greatest defensive player of all time, the biggest headaches of anybody, maybe besides Eric Williams in in, in Dallas. Um, and the reason why is because at the time he was late in his career. It's like a 15, he played for 17 years. He was, he was sort of like Andrew Whitworth before Andrew Whitworth to give people the best example played forever. And by the time he got to that 15th, 16th year, they were like, Oh, Tim Irwin's out there. He just held and grabbed and did everything. And he was allowed to. And they gave him sort of deference and young guys who had this phenomenal talent or, and, and Corey Stringer, people remember him for horrible reasons, but, and, and died of uh, heat exhaustion uh, in training camp one year. He just, he was a first round pick with this unbelievable talent. 
and he replaced him or when and Reggie White would beat him like a drum because he couldn't get away with holding and he was a young player. So that gives you an example of veteran players in the deference, but it's Spurs 365, Jeff Kerr. So we got to get back to the Eagles after the break. And after the break, I want to get your thoughts. You got to get ready for this. So I'm giving you a couple minutes. Your greatest moments of the Eric Wilson era in Philadelphia. There I want to hear about moments. it. Greatest <laughs> moments in the Eric Wilson era. We're moving on from Eric Wilson. And we're moving on here on Burst 365 right after the break. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Metson Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the Cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. On a Thursday, Jeff Kersey, that's what you do. Nick Sirianni, get 1% better. Now, Nick Sirianni says get 1% better every day. You could get 1% better every hour of every day. Why not? Why can't you get 2% better? 
Have we ever asked that question? I don't think we have. Well, I bowl Wednesday and Thursday nights, John. And let me tell you something. I definitely need to get 2% better after last night. So 1% uh, is not going to cut it. 1%, 2%, 10%, 15%. A guy who wasn't getting uh, 1% better each and every day was Eric Wilson. Um, just the latest in a long line of, I don't, I don't even know if I want to call them terrible linebacking decisions, but you know the names over the years. Um, the Eagles seem to do this every year. They bring in a linebacker on the cheap, and they say, well, this guy's he's better than what we had. And in the case of Eric Wilson, he wasn't better than what the Eagles had. Healthy scratch in Detroit. They officially move on from him yesterday. Hits the waiver wire because we're post-trade deadline. I don't think anybody's going to pick up Eric Wilson, although you never know. Um, he had some success um, as a backup player in Minnesota. But he was always a bad run support player. I warned people about that. That was his issue. Really undersized, small, athletic guy. And that's what the Eagles want. And that's where the Eagles think um, the NFL is headed when it comes to defense. We talked about the passing game in the first segment. Um, so they're probably right, but man, I've been talking about this all week, Jeff. There's gotta be, there's gotta be a happy medium here. There's gotta be an organizational decision to say, all right, we don't value this position as much as other positions. And we shouldn't, when you think about the obvious ones, quarterback, edge rusher, cornerback, offensive line, defensive line. Um, but you gotta you gotta have something. We saw Micah Parsons on Sunday night. He looks pretty good. Yeah, and he was one of I know that's been the radio chatter this week. If you had to redo it, would you take Micah Parsons? I know the Eagles yeah. wouldn't. Yeah, I know that's, the that's all that matters. That's yeah. what I said. Yeah, they just don't value linebackers. And, you know, there were two guys I beat the drum for at the, when they had 12. And I'm like, if they could get there. And it was Michael Parsons and Devonta Smith. I like both of them. And, you know, those are the two I thought would be the best again. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm getting upset over Michael Parsons because they're not going to draft them. It's, they just don't value that position. I mean, yeah. the whole time I thought they got it right, John, was when they brought in Zach Brown. And he was a disaster here. And, He's out of the league now. It's it, it almost seems like they get these guys who are productive players, but they were productive players more of because of the system or the situation they were in or the bad defense they're in. Like kind of like Eric Wilson, him and Fred Werner were like the only two that have under ten tackles and two interceptions. And yeah. and I'm like, well, here's the thing: Fred Werner is an all pro, and I don't know what Eric Wilson actually is. So. Yeah, they just don't value this position, and they don't evaluate this position well enough. I mean, we can go through the list of, you know, Corey Nelson's one of those guys. I, I like Tim, too, coming out. It's just <laughs> – I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's so bad Jatavius Brown took a look at the situation and decided to retire rather than be part of this. Well, I forgot Jatavius. Yeah, he wasn't here. I remember Paul, Paul, Paul Warlow. He was the guy. He got hurt on the first play uh, – off-season work he tore his ACL uh so that was some bad luck I think the Eagles gave up on LJ Fort a little bit too quickly ultimately yeah he went down the Baltimore played okay but he's not a star um either way 
I guess I guess my biggest issue is look, last year happened with Alex Singleton. They didn't want to play Alex Singleton. Um it became injuries, ineffectiveness, then Nate Gary, everybody's favorite in Philadelphia, uh, is out and he gets on the field and he plays better than everybody else. And you can't take him off the field. Now it's a bad football team, but We've seen Alex get a little bit exposed this season. They're asking him to play a little bit differently. Now we have T.J. Edwards, who's um, – they didn't want to play T.J. Edwards. They tried to trade T.J. Edwards in August. Um, and he gets on the field because of ineffectiveness from Eric Wilson, starts getting more reps, and and he's their best linebacker all of a sudden. Certainly was in Detroit. But man, you gotta what Alex Singleton, you know, was in New England, Seattle, Minnesota, the CFL, um, before he came back. And TJ Edwards was undrafted out of Wisconsin. Davion Taylor's the only player on this team. And we talk about Jody and I talk about pedigree a lot. It shouldn't matter as much as it does. Once you get into the weeds, but it means something in that, okay, if you're a first round pick in this league, like Micah Parsons, you're good from a physical standpoint, from a trait standpoint. When people miss on first round picks, Jeff, they don't miss because that guy doesn't have the talent to play in the NFL. It's the other things. It's the intangible things that drive people crazy. You know, what's the kid's work ethic, you know? Does he have a high football IQ to use a Nick Sirianniism? All that kind of stuff. But you know, they have the base skill set to play in the NFL. When you're undrafted, we don't know that. We don't know that. And there's plenty of undrafted guys. I covered one of the best undrafted guys in the history of footballs in Canton, Ohio. And that's John Randall. And by the way, the draft was 12 rounds. 12 rounds. Was it John Randall? Drafted. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, I, I I actually once thought John Randall was like a 10th, 11th round pick. Then I found out I went on drafted a couple years yeah. ago. I'm like, Whoa, wait a second. That changes everything with John Randall. Like, yeah. yeah, completely but- undrafted. But, you know, that doesn't happen a lot. That doesn't happen a lot. It's much more likely uh, that you become a star if you're a first round pick. Roundabout way of saying, You've got to put some kind of assets into the position. When are the Eagles going to learn that lesson? It's been been 1979 since Jerry Robinson. I'll I'll say this, John. I've been waiting since they basically got rid of Jeremiah Trotter and Carlos Evans to answer that question. And they haven't done it. I remember when they sent Trotter off the wall. Well, they didn't send him off. They decided, oh, you know what? You're not worth the franchise tag. Get out of here. And they bring in Barry. You know, they decide, oh, we wasted a second-round pick on Barry Garner, who we knew wasn't good, but we got to play him because he's a second-round pick, and we'll bring in LeVon Kirkland. Well, that didn't work. And then, oh, let's bring in Mark Simino, their prototypical linebacker today. And he, he, wasn't, he wasn't any good. And now let's sign Nate Wayne because he made a big play on Michael Vick in the playoffs. Well, he wasn't any good either. So let's bring back Trotter. And they, they just haven't. Their last time I they've had good linebackers was when they won the Super Bowl, when they had Jordan Hicks and Michael Kendricks. And 
I'll say to this day, it was a mistake letting Jordan Hicks walk in free agency. But Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, Jordan was a third-round pick. Michael was a second-round pick. And it's not – it doesn't have to be a first-round. Look, I get not wanting to take a linebacker in the first round. I kind of agree with that sentiment. Now, it's always about the player. I always bring up the Christian McCaffrey uh, point because – Look, everyone says the Eagles are never taking a running back in the first round. Never taking a running back in the first round. You know, for the most part, they're right. But they were going to take Christian McCaffrey. And what year? What, 2017? 2017 was the year. 2017. Um, they had 14 overall. Um, they ended up taking Derek Mark. They loved Christian McCaffrey. I mean, and he kept rising up the board. It became pretty clear late in the process he wasn't going to reach 14. But if by some strange stretch, everyone woke up that morning and said, man, we're not taking him running back. They were going to take that kid. And so it's always about the player. Uh, and certain players can change your mind. Devontae Smith did this year. The Eagles don't want to take a wide receiver at 10. They never want to take a wide receiver at 10. But they said Devontae Smith's a little bit different. Um not to the same level uh, wide receiver devalued position as linebacker and running back. But look, if the Eagles are top 10, they want to take, for the most part, a quarterback, an offensive lineman, or a defensive lineman. Um, and there just wasn't anybody of that ilk that they believe deserved to go at number 10. So they've proven they've been able to shift their thinking, but you bring up Hicks and, and, and Kendricks. And over the years, they, they've taken linebackers in the second round and third round. Davion Taylor, which brings up as a third round pick, but man, that is a raw third round pick. So you, you sit that, you know, I think he was very late third round pick one, 102 maybe overall what I, I if you're howie roseman how do you take a developmental guy in the third round they're premium picks first second third round picks if you talk to nfl people those are the premium picks can you take developmental guys with premium picks I, only, i'm not a fan of that yeah not only did you take a developmental pick keep in mind your first round pick was Jalen Rager. okay fine your second round pick was a quarterback and you had a franchise quarterback and you didn't have a pick until 102. And who do you take? A developmental player. That's what I didn't understand about the thing. And I I remember when they drafted Davion Taylor. I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, from our draft guys at CBS, they have him as like a late third, fourth round grade. I'm like, okay, so maybe this is when you take him, but I felt they would go the more proven route there, like you said, John, and they just didn't do it. And you saw how the 2020 draft kind of, I don't want to say changed the fortune of the franchise, but you, none of these guys immediately contributed. I mean, Jalen Hurts was supposed to be back of quarterback Carson Wentz. Davion Taylor was not supposed to play. Uh, Jalen Rager was supposed to come in right away. But I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, this is the one year you actually have draft picks at your disposal and you're drafting developmental players after having just 10 picks the previous two years? Like, this is what we're going to do right now? And it was a head-scratcher for sure. And I don't know what Davion Taylor is going to be. I'm like, but this is what we're doing right now. We're going to use a developmental linebacker on 
I just didn't understand. There were so many needs on that team. And I still think they should have double dipped at wide receiver in 2020 because that's how bad the receiving situation was in 2019. And I still think they needed a quarterback or safety and they really didn't address those needs and you need to get younger on the offensive and defensive line. Now they did take care of that later in the draft with Jack Driscoll and guys like that. But overall, I, it was a head scratcher picking him and you know, whether he pans out or not is fine, but third round pick, you know, you basically went nearly a hundred picks without getting an immediate contributor for the 2020 Philadelphia Eagles. And yeah, when, yeah. when you think about it, John, it's if you are Carson Wentz, you're thinking, what are we doing here? Yeah. Well, I mean, they didn't think Jalen Rager was a developmental pick, which is probably the issue. And there's been some, you know, the old Spider-Man meme where he's pointing at each other. I mean, you know, everybody wants to run away now from that Jalen Rager pick, which is kind of sad. And it's this early in, but, you know, when they blew out Doug Peterson, obviously, it was like, well, we knew Jefferson was a better player, but the coaching staff wanted a different type of player, and they wanted Jalen Rager. They wanted to sort of, and I, I've i said this a lot. I, I have a tough time saying this with a straight base. They wanted a Tyreek Hill type who could stretch the field um, horizontally. Five years ago, they really wanted to. They just yeah. wanted a small one. <laughs> horizontally as well as vertically. Well, Tyreek, a lot of people passed on Tyreek yeah, for yeah, obvious exactly. reasons, but it that's one of those things. I, I don't, I don't have a problem with that, but I do kind of chuckle like, okay, you thought this guy was going to be a Tyreek Hill type and knowing, you know, that, the, you know how NFL teams are. That doesn't mean they're saying he's the same player. They just think he has some of the same traits. I'm still looking for him. I'm looking all what, what I they they don't look similar to me. Now the Eagles finally got Jalen going a little bit with some manufactured touches in Detroit, and all of a sudden he gets hurt, obviously, uh, which is typical. Um, but but you, you bring up a good point. Then you're I I I always considered it at the time, and it's revisionist history now because he's playing. Um. Jalen Hurts was an incredible luxury pick. That's that's like a team that's Kansas City. It's been to two Super Bowls, and oh, we don't we're we're going to be contenders again. We can afford to have this luxury pick. Now everything blew up, and Carson Wentz handled it horribly, and all of a sudden Jalen Hurts has to start for you. And at least some people have said, "We'll see how we knew what." No, no, it was a bad pick. It blew up the entire organization. Has nothing to do with Jalen Hurts. But remember what the Eagles' plan was, Jeff. The Eagles' plan was we're going to have a cost-effective backup for four years, and then we can spin them off in that fourth year. Maybe, you know, maybe plays well in preseason. Maybe we can convince some Yahoo to give us a first-round pick or a second-round pick, and then you keep rolling it over. The plan was never for Jalen Hurts to play. So, I mean, those people are crazy. And then Davion Taylor, as you mentioned in the third round, then you take a completely, completely raw prospect who played, I think, one high school game, had to go to junior college because he's a Seventh-day Adventist, so it was against his religion to play under the Friday Night Lights. 
Um, and so you know it's going to take them two years minimum to get out there. And you're seeing those startup costs now with Davion Taylor. But now I'm going to turn a little bit and give the Eagles some credit. He should be out there. Throw him in the deep end of the pool. If the kid can't play, the kid can't play. But you can't keep throwing out the Eric Wilsons of the world. So I do give the Eagles credit for saying, you know what? Thanks, Eric. Really nice guy. Tremendous guy. But he's just not good enough. I, I agree with the Eagles' philosophy at linebacker here, Jonathan Gannon. Let's just get Davion on the field, and let's let him sink or swim. I agree with that. And that's one thing I liked what Jonathan Gannon was doing over the last couple of weeks. And I know you took notice, John, you know, the, the fewer snaps for the Eric Wilsons and the Alex Singletons of the world. And, you know, as much as we could criticize Jonathan Gannon, I'm like, okay, he knows this isn't working at linebacker. His grand master plan is, well, you have the personnel run the grand master plan as, you know, basically Brandon Graham was saying. And, and I know this a little bit more TJ Edwards in game. And, you know, Davion Taylor, I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is going to be the combination or he was trying certain things out. Like Alex Singleton still sees the field, but not as much as he did in week one, week two. So I'm like, oh, okay, they like Davion Taylor this offseason. If he doesn't injure his calf, he might have started the year for all we knew. But you're right. Yeah. I like how they, they threw him into the, basically into the deep end of the pool and said, you know what? We got to find out what you got because if, if it's not this year, it's never going to be. Um to continue on this linebacker thought and TJ Edwards in the game he played against the Detroit lions. Um, pretty good. I mean, you know, pretty active. Um, he does have a high football IQ. He's a real linebacker. He's like linebacker size. We don't see that anymore. Um, is this sustainable? Especially if you look at this week, we we talked a little about a little about Justin Herbert. You mentioned Austin Eckler, who I think is banged up, but we all know what he can do. Um, just looking at him, he is has a bit of a hip injury, but he practiced fully um, on Wednesday. So obviously, the plan is he'll be out there. Uh, He's one of the best fast catching backs and has been for a while. And the Chargers as a whole, I mean, you go back years, did, you know, Darren Sproles and Ladanian Tomlinson. I mean, I don't think there's a better organization, maybe New England, obviously, but they're right there for getting the football to their backs in the passing game. So this is a big test for this new revamped Eagles linebacker core. Yeah, it is. And, you know, there probably is one person uh, that's not with the Eagles that's probably patting himself on the back on T.J. Edwards' success, and it's Jim Schwartz because he was always a big fan of T.J. Edwards. And I think if he, if Jim Schwartz would watch Eagles-Lions game and see what T.J. Edwards did, I don't think he'd be shocked because I remember when he talked, I think it was what, T.J. Edwards' rookie year. Was it 2020? I, I can't remember now. It's been a couple of years. But, um, you know, Jim Jim Schwartz was like, hey, look, you know, we feel like we got a, a potentially starting caliber linebacker, and he was undrafted. And he always mentioned his film at Wisconsin and what they liked and what they didn't like, and they thought they got a real diamond in the rough here. And I liked T.J. Edwards when he played there. I, I thought he was a really nice, solid player. Not sure how he is against the pass, but – 
we'll figure it out this week because, you know, and again, you know, this is where I go back to Herbert's struggles in the middle of the field. Now, does a lot of that have to do with his hand injury? Maybe, but he's had the hand injury all year and he was able to find Austin Eckler and Jared Cook early in the season. Now, we'll find out this week when, if they try to dump it off and try to test TJ. I'll tell you one thing. I think TJ Edwards will make the tackle right away if they complete a pass down his way, but it's coverage situation. That's where I'm a little concerned. Maybe that's where you have a more athletic linebacker in there, but you know, what, what do you got right now? You got TJ Edwards, you got Davion Taylor, you know, a position we might've thought was, I don't want to say strong beginning in the year, but had some depth. It's, you really don't have that anymore. Well, you also have Alex Singleton. So it's interesting. He'll be, he'll be in the mix in the nickel, but it, it I think, you know, it's such an interesting um, contrast because if you look at Davion and you look at TJ and they're the starting linebackers now, so that's who they start. Uh, those are the guys on the field to start the game. And it has been that way for, I think, three games now. You got Davion. He's the 4-4 guy. He's what you're talking about. He's the athletic guy who, in theory, can run with anybody uh, in pass coverage in the passing game. Doesn't matter who it is. I mean, if you can run a 4-4, you're going to be able to keep up with the best tight ends in this league, the best running backs in this league. And then you have TJ, who didn't get drafted, and he didn't get drafted because he was a really good player at Wisconsin. He didn't get drafted because he ran whatever it was, a 4-8, or whatever. He couldn't run, right? And the NFL's obsessed with athleticism. So, you know, what's better? If you take a false step at linebacker, doesn't 4-4 turn into 4-8? Or, or if you take the right step and and you have that high football IQ, you have those natural instincts, and you know where the play is going, bang, doesn't that 4-8 turn into a 4-6? Why are NFL people so obsessed with, this isn't a track uh, meet. Um, why are they so obsessed with annoying, I, I don't want to say, ignoring i don't want to say ignoring football iq but i would say one of the best i've told jody this story one of the best nickel linebackers i've ever seen now Derek brooks is the best he's got both he had he had great athleticism paired with great football instincts that's always what you want but one of the best nickel linebackers i ever saw is jack del rio couldn't run a lick. Pretty good back in the day. Mm. Just just smart as knew where everything was going. Try to run a screen against that guy. Watch some old film. Of, it wasn't happening. Um why why the disconnect in, in the modern NFL, ignoring players like that? You know, that's what's frustrated me for about 25 years. Mostly uh, for most of my football watching. I remember, you know, way back in the day, and Barrett Brooks knows him pretty well, James Willis. And he was one of those guys where they'd say, oh, James Willis, he he's not this, he's not that. I'm like, really? Because he's always around the football. Same with William Thomas. He was another one. Well, he's not – he's athletic, but, you know, he's not fast enough or he's not – well, okay, seven interceptions in the season, two return for touchdowns tells me otherwise. By the way, every time there's a running play, he seems to be there. It's I think they – 
sometimes scouts get away from football instincts and they look at, like you said, the intangibles, the four fours or the analytics of it, or, you know, this guy can do this well, this guy can do that well. And I'm thinking to myself, how about getting guys that have a knack for finding the football? That's one thing I always like Jordan Hicks for, you know, when the Cardinals were thinking about benching him for Zayvon Collins, I love what Jordan Hicks said. Well, you're not going to find a better linebacker on this team than me. And, you know, he's arrogant about it. I'm like, look, this guy is making $9 million a year. He could just say, hey, you know what? I'm getting paid regardless. You do what you want. Nope. He stood up for himself and he's a captain of the team now. He's again, he's one of the reasons why the Cardinals defense is one of the best in the NFL because he's always around the football and you got a guy like, Isaiah Simmons, who it's taken them a while to develop. Uh, firstly, because I don't think they know where to put him. Uh, I think they finally found the spot for him at outside linebacker slash pass rusher. But, yeah, you're right, John. It's very frustrating, especially at that position, because you got a guy like T.J. Edwards who doesn't get drafted, seems to have a knack for knowing where the football is, knowing where his spot is. But we'll take a shot on the 4-4 linebacker, as you said, played one high school <laughs> it doesn't make sense in theory but this is yeah. what they all think yeah. this is just how we yeah uh they are too caught up in the measurables at times and certainly that was uh it's interesting if you go back to joe douglas it was the opposite they had that draft uh, i like to call it the Danelle pumphrey draft where they they leaned on college production a lot uh, more than they probably should have. So it is a fine line because, you know, Danelle is a perfect example of guy. His production in college was outrageous, uh, but obviously didn't have the skill set to play in the NFL. Uh, so it is a fine line, and that's what makes the draft difficult. Um, what's also difficult, and we're going to get into this after the break, Jeff, is the trade deadline. I want to I want to revisit that because the Eagles were listening to calls, man, on Fletcher Cox. They were willing to move them. Uh, obviously, didn't uh, nothing. Uh, I think the Von Miller trade affected that because of just the the haul Denver was able to get the Von Miller. That affected the Eagles expected maybe a little bit more than they could get. Uh, but now you got a guy who's not happy uh, in, in general, which is why the reason you thought about trading him knows you tried to trade him and you're in that type of situation. The Eagles also make a small move, which we'll talk about Kerry Vincent Jr. And how many cornerbacks do you need, Jeff? Yeah, Especially when you need <laughs> Especially when you don't play any of them. You're not a dime team right now. So we're going to talk about all of that. Trade deadline talk after the break. More Birds 365, Jeff Curve, Johnny Mac coming back. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. 
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. This edition of Birds 365 rolls on. I'm John McMullen, Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports. Nice enough to to hop into the co-hosting seat with me. I appreciate that, Jeff. Jody, living the life we all want to lead in Key West, Florida. Um, you ever been to Key West, Jeff? No, I've never been that far south. Far south I've been is Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I, I'm jealous of Rob Body. He's down in Tampa now. He gets to cover the butt. Yeah. You know, I, I I say him all the time, why don't you come back up here for it? I wouldn't even waste my time. I, I'd stay down there and live the life Tom Brady wants to live. Yeah, I'm with you. I I When Rob moved down there, I said the same thing. I said, you beat me down there, Rob. And Rob keeps coming back. I asked him, he was on earlier this week. I forget if he said he's coming. He comes back for a lot of the games, a lot of the Eagles games, and he still hops on the Zoom calls when we have Zoom. Uh, the Monday pressers are still on Zoom. Rob always hops on. So he's still involved with Philly sports. He did it for so long. I, I don't think he can quit it. That's the thing with Rob. He just can't quit it. <laughs> I don't. I don't blame him. You know, I, I gotta ask him. I gotta know his secret here with the Eagles. You know how how he gets all the years. I know he's been doing it for so long. But like, he, Rob Body is everywhere. You know? Associated Press, man. Yeah, you got that. Uh, you got that behind you. You get a lot of weight. That is um, true. It's funny too when when I'm on like Tampa Zoom call. I'm not used to him being in there. And man, and Bruce Arians loves the questions he asks. So I'll tell you that. Well, I love Bruce Arians, so, I mean... And by the way, I want to rip Brandon Staley. <laughs> oh, there we Brett, go. The second coach of the year, so where are we? Three and five with the Eagles. Um, so, ninth game, nine head coaches. We haven't had any doubled up yet, so... Um, only the second head coach who wouldn't do his media availability... 
um, with the local Philadelphia media. So this year there's been a, there there's been a change this year. It used to be mandatory. The the NFL made it mandatory that the opposing coach would have to talk to the other city's media on that particular week. This is the first year where it's voluntary. And most guys have been very gracious and offered up. You know, we're only talking 10 minutes on a conference call. Arthur Smith, week one, rookie head coach. Brandon Staley, week nine. And, you know, Brandon's been raved about. He's vocal, too. When yeah. he talks, it's and everybody puts his clips on Twitter, and yeah, a little disappointed that he he wouldn't put himself uh, through the ringer, which is hardly a ringer. Um, but I did. I I've been asking some guys because I don't know it from Nick Sirianni's standpoint if he's talking to the opposition media. So I asked. I've been asking a couple guys, and he has been. He talked to the Detroit people, so I give Nick Sirianni credit. For that as well yeah i'm down on that i'm down on coaches if you don't if you don't have to you know what to talk to the opposition media i'm not a fan am which i is, wrong jeff Kerr? well with, this is what's crazy about brian staley after the chargers game he would he would have sat in that press conference for an hour yeah and he was so frustrated with that loss and any question you asked him he was very polite about it just you know just he was just like, look, we got our butts being today, and here's why. And, you know, he said, maybe we're not as good of a football team as we thought we were. And, you know, he he addressed the whole – he went for it on fourth and three at the 19 yard. He was excited to answer that question. You yeah, know? maybe maybe it is. You know, football coaches, they don't have time to do anything. I don't have time. I don't have time to do anything. I can't carve out 10 minutes of time. So maybe I'm making – maybe it's overblown a little bit. But I do want to – I want to direct you to the trade deadline and the big gigantic move the Eagles made every year. This is hilarious to me. Every year we get into this. Oh, so-and-so is going to move. So-and-so is going to move. And, you know, there is more movement than ever before, but the NFL is never going to be major league baseball. It's never going to be the NBA, even the NHL for hockey fans, ton of movement around their trade deadline guys are more willing to move and a lot of stuff happens earlier people forget the eagles already moved joe flacco zach Ertz. they moved players uh just earlier and then the deadline hits and everybody's excited and it just fizzles fizzles and i saw i'm not gonna out anybody but i saw um you know, it was four o'clock. Oh, the Eagles didn't do anything, and then four oh three or whatever it trickles in. Oh, they got Kerry Benson Jr., <laughs> um, who was a rookie seventh round, seventh round pick uh, of Denver, uh, LSU kid, another corner, slot corner. Um, and what I got to pull it up, Jeff. Uh, how many corners we at now? One, two, Eight. three. <laughs> Four, five, six, seven, eight corners on the 53 yet. Craig James on the practice squad. That's nine corners. And they only use three corners. <laughs> they use. They're not a dime team right now. That's, yeah. That's they, the yearbook for them. And by the way, you know, that's been probably the most impressive part of their team 
besides, I would say offensive line first, and then uh, because of all the injuries and all the maneuverings and Lane Johnson's situation, I think the offensive line has done a wonderful job holding up. So I would say that first, and then second, I would Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done say the corners Darius Slay has been great uh Steven Nelson uh Steve Nelson uh has been solid as a so-called cornerback too and then Avante Maddox is having a career year finally got to settle down in the slot and he's playing really really well he's been one of the better slot corners in the NFL and that's it that's all the that's that's the only players they play. Now, last week was a little different because there was a blowout, so you got to see a little Josiah Scott and well, Tay Gowan last week too. Yeah, Tay Gowan was out there, but that was only because it was a blowout. Zach McPherson was hurt, but he had not been playing. Um, he should be back this week. People forget Mac McCain uh, is on this team. Who did I miss? Uh, that's everybody, he- right? I, I, I'm pretty sure you mentioned everybody there. So uh, eight guys on the 53-man roster. You had to cut Brett Toth and Brett Toth, and um, I was a little not. I didn't think it I was. was <laughs> I I didn't think it was a fate complete by any stretch of the imagination. But I thought maybe he would get picked up on waivers, um, because. You and I have talked about this a lot. Jody won't listen to us. There's a lot of bad offensive lines in this league. And people look at what the Eagles are able to do. You know, look at last week. Jack Driscoll goes down. Five five plays in. Nate Herbig's in there. They had what Lane Johnson called one of the best run uh, uh, blocking performances since he's been here. And he's been here for a long time now. Um, and remember, we don't even Brandon Brooks isn't there. Isaac Samalu's not there. Uh, Jordan Mylot has been hurt, injured, moving from right to left side. And, Doesn't and, feel like they missed a beat, has it? No, it's unbelievable. Jeff Stoutland is the best offensive line coach in this league. So I thought somebody would pick up Brett Toth because, well, he was with Stoutland. Let's see what he can do. Ultimately, he got through waivers. He'll probably be back on the practice squad, but. We'll know that later today. We'll see. Um, the bigger news, though, was Fletcher Cox, and the Eagles were listening. And, and the Eagles, and probably the biggest part of this story was that the Eagles, again, were willing to eat significant dead money to move on from Fletcher Cox, similar to what happened with Carson Wentz in the offseason. Now, we all know Fletcher's not happy. If you don't know Fletcher's not happy, you're not paying attention uh, with this scheme. But now he's here. He's not going anywhere. Um, Is that good or bad, Jeff Kerr? Well, I mean, he's not happy. And 
yet I think the defensive coordinator listened to him, but if, you know, my brain's telling me this is going to be the last nine times we see Fletcher Cox in an Eagles uniform this season, because if you're trying to train him at the deadline, why wouldn't you try to train him in the offseason? And if you're willing to eat up a lot of his contract, which I was kind of shocked they wanted to do that because of how much dead cap would come. And keep in mind, you already got $33 million in dead cap from Carson Wentz. But I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, I heard Vegas, I guess, was the team that was they were talking to about it. I don't, you know, it, it was a couple teams, I guess, but I, I think Vegas was the main culprit there. But it looked like, at least in my opinion, I, I'm thinking to myself, I get he's not happy. I don't know if he would want out. Um, the Instagram post to me, I didn't know what to make of it because he said forever. Fully, and I'm like, well, that's so cryptic. Is he staying here? Is he is he leaving? Because Zach Ertz did a cryptic post, and I had to reach out to a couple people there. I said, hey, he can't, is he gone? Because everything kind of told me he was gone, and then he was gone. So I didn't know what to make of that. And, you know, I, I get it. He's frustrated. I'm frustrated too. I'm frustrated they don't use him right, you know, and he's right. He does get paid to sack the quarterback, even though he, he did get paid to tackle a screen last week. So we got to give him credit there, John. By the way, that was overblown, uh, Jeff. I mean, Fletcher Cox was a, always great at playing screens. His only point was, you don't pay me to play screens. He was always good at it. Uh, always had what we talked about with the linebackers early in the show, great football instincts. So, he would often, you'd see him how many times snip out screens and get that guy from behind. And, you know, I get a kick out of how people just, what he was trying to say is he gets all that money to go get the quarterback, not play screens. And I thought people kind of took that in a weird direction, like he didn't want to play screens, but they've seen him play screens for whatever, nine stinking years now. Did you miss all that? Or am I... uh, uh but there's no doubt he does not like playing five technique. He does not like playing four eye technique. And, you know, people go back to, well, when Chip Kelly was here, he played five technique. But yeah, but he wasn't Fletcher Cox at he that point. He was a player then. He, he did yeah. whatever you told him. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's how you have to look at it from Fletcher's perspective. All right, we look at the Doug Peterson, Jim Swartz era. Five years, right? He made five Pro Bowls. He made uh, three postseason appearances. Double-digit sacks. Um, sacks uh, was all pro, I think, at least second team uh, twice. Uh, obviously, they win the Super Bowl, uh, 52. It's a lot of success over a five-year period. Now you have an entrenched player. So the veteran player is saying to himself, well, you know, look at my resume. Look at what I did when you use me as a three technique and can just go uh, wreak havoc versus, say, Milton Williams, who's a rookie and has a career game in Detroit and is Fletcher Cox under Chip Kelly. He's doing exactly what you tell him to do because he doesn't have a resume. He doesn't have something to point at and say, look, this is what I did when you play me like this. In some ways, it's just 
the natural evolution of what you have to do when you change coaching steps. A lot of veteran guys are going to have to get blown out because they, they're not going to buy in. It's, ha- it's happened forever. Uh, it's, it's the dawn of time. I mean, look at Andy Reid when he came in there. You know, you had stalwarts like William Thomas. You know, I mentioned him earlier. He was a stud, and he barely plays under Jim Johnson. And I'm, I, I remember Jim Johnson when he came in. I'm, again, I, I was a football junkie at 11, but I'm like, okay, this guy's a veteran defensive coordinator. He's got, he's got a resume here. You know, he's got a lot of guys he can work with, you know, Brian Dawkins, uh, Bob Taylor, Troy Vincent, William Thomas. Uh, William Thomas, he was kind of an afterthought. And, I, you know, he ended up having three more really good years with the Raiders. So I get where Fletcher Cox is coming from. It's frustrating, and you're entrenched in this contract. And what do you do? Because, you know, you agreed to restructure the deal to help Howie Roseman out, and this is how they repay you. They don't put you in the right situation. Now you're thinking – I may never get out of here. By the time I get out of here, I'm going to be 33, 34 years old, and no one's going to want me. I'm going to be the Alshon Jeffrey of the Philadelphia Eagles Eagle suit. And I mean, I don't blame him. I, I really don't. It's it's a frustrating situation for him. I think if the numbers were coming up, he'd be okay with that. But, you know, you got talking heads like us. Why doesn't Fletcher Cox have a sack? Why isn't Fletcher Cox doing this? Why isn't he doing that? Well, it's I think it's the law of the land. Defensive, new defensive coordinator and – Guys are going to get phased out, and unfortunately, he might be one of them. And it's a shame because I thought he'd spend his entire career in Philadelphia and be a guy who ends up with 70, 80 sacks in his career. But looks like if he's going to go on that, I don't want to call it Hall of Fame pace, but one of the better defensive tackles of his era pace, he's going to have to do it somewhere else. Yeah, and I think he is. I think you can make a strong argument that other than Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox has been the best defensive tackle of his generation. Um, So it is, and he's been the best, you know, pure football player on this team for a really long time. Um, But I'm with you. I think the Eagles showed their cards. If they're willing to, to say in early November, we're willing to eat this money to move on from Fletcher Cox. If you give us a Von Miller sort of uh, package in return, that's not going to change in the off season, is it? It should. In fact, the package might get higher because again, Von Miller got traded for a second and a third at the deadline for Denver to take $9 million of his salary. I'm like, Whoa, that's a lot of money for a guy who he's been productive this year, but he's not Von Miller anymore. So I'm thinking, Hey, you know, Fletcher has a good finish to the year in this defense. I'm not saying the Eagles can get a first, but they can definitely get two day, two picks for Fletcher Cox in say February, if they're, they're willing to move him. And by then you're actually going to have a plan because you'll, you'll know where to play a guy like, Milton Williams more, or maybe you go after another defensive tackle and free agency with some cleared up and added cap space coming in from the league. So, or maybe you draft a, a premium pick with a defensive tackle, one of those first round picks you got. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what the compensation level is going to be for Fletcher Cox this all season. But by the by, the way, John, I got to point this out. How funny was it Milton Williams got the game ball against Detroit? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, you know, I thought it was interesting. I was thinking about that after, who said it? Was it Nick or JG? I get it, everything. I think it was Nick. Um, After he said that, I started thinking, I'm like, he got, he had a good game, Milton, but 
would I have given him the game ball? And I'm starting to think, uh, I, I, I mean, they, I assume they gave out game balls to Avante Maddox, probably Darius Slay as well, you know, being the Detroit guy, so to speak. Darius isn't from Detroit, but we all know how much he likes that city. Um, so I'm sure they gave out more than one, but I'm thinking, all right, you know, they dominated so much. Who would I give the game ball to? Who would I give the game ball to? Then I start thinking, you know what? I, w- I would have probably given one to Herbie, you know. I, oh, I just, Yeah, I think he's unheralded. Um, you know, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard. I, I don't know. There were so many candidates. But you bring up Milton, and that's where I wanted to go with you. So we're on the same page, I think. We're we're gonna see the last nine games. Is that where we are? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nine games. Yeah. Nine games of the Fletcher Cox era in Philadelphia. So what should be more important down the stretch of the season? You know, getting Fletcher Cox happy and stats or getting Milton Williams up to speed. Could this in other words, Jeff, I'm asking, could could this get even more uglier? from a standpoint of a guy not being happy. It can, but there's one thing I love about the defensive line, especially in today's NFL. You can rotate guys and you won't even notice a thing. It's, you know, Butcher Cox can still play his 70% of the snaps and you can find a way to get Milton Williams in at defensive end and defensive tackle. And you can find a way to develop a guy while keeping the other guy. I don't want to say you want to keep him happy, but if Butcher Cox can go out there and get his numbers and, help them win football games, which, by the way, Fletcher Cox still helps you win a football game. Um, I think you got to do that, but I think Fletcher Cox definitely knows the writings on the wall with this franchise, and I don't know if he'll go to Zach Ertz levels in mid-January when the season ends, but I think he'll be, you know, I, I think he'll be very appreciative of his time here, but I think he also knows, hey, you know what, the writing's on the wall for me in this city. Uh, they're going to trade me. It's Hopefully, they let Fletcher Cox kind of I don't want to say dictate where he wants to go, but have him find the right fit for him. Because I think during the off season, these players have more of a saying where they're going. Like if it was Vegas, I don't know if Fletcher Cox would have been crazy about going to Vegas, although him and the Gus Bradley defense would have been awesome. But maybe Fletch goes, you know what? I'm going to go with Aaron Donald and the Rams. <laughs> the Rams don't have anything to, to give them. But you never know. A team like Arizona, I, I know that was another team that – they were talking down there. It's like, hey, maybe it's the Cardinals. Maybe he'll revisit that and join his buddy Zach Gertz and Jordan Hicks out there. By the way, I can I just say I love the Los Angeles Rams philosophy. Like they don't give two, you can't screw you know it up. What. Yeah, they don't give you. They don't give a you know what about draft picks. And I think draft picks are so overrated in this league when you compare them to to proven players. Now. You got to be in the right position. You got to be honest. You got to be, it's not for the Eagles. You know, the Eagles are not, it was for the Eagles in 2018 and 2019, maybe. Uh, They probably held on a little bit too long to the thought that the championship window was open. And it's always a difficult decision. Probably the most difficult decision, Jeff, is to be honest with yourself and say, we're really a contender. We're not a contender as Jeffrey Lurie did in the off season with the transition year phrasing. Um, Eagles aren't in that position, 
But when you are in that position, and the Rams most definitely are, give me Von Miller. I don't give two craps about a second round and a third round pick next year. Who knows where the Rams are going to be next year? Um, you know, you never know. Injuries in this league. They are a significant Super Bowl contender. The Rams are a team to me. It's funny how their draft day, all, at least Sean McVay's is like poolside, not sponsored. I'm like, yeah, yeah. this is the greatest thing ever because they don't have to even make a pick till day yeah. three. And you know, everybody wants to see this blow up in their face because everybody values Why? Like, I'm all for it, baby. Yeah. Be the superstar. You know, let them be the Los Angeles Lakers of the NFL. Only they're a lot more likable because Von Miller's a likable guy. And, Aaron Donald's a likable guy. Jalen Ramsey, I don't know, but he's really good. So, but, you know, I'm happy for what they do there. It's like, look, the last time the Rams made a first-round pick, he's not even there anymore. It's Derek Goff, and they were able to get a much, much better upgraded quarterback. It's Yeah, I, 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 I mean, to me, it, it, it's, it's just an overall philosophy of always thinking about the future. I don't know. I know where it started in Philadelphia. It started with the Sixers. <clears throat> Excuse me. It started. It is kind of working with the Sixers, though. Kind of. They haven't won that championship. Well, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I, I will say that you know everybody values the future. At some point, you got to sit in the in the present and say, "All right, I got to pick a player. I got to make a decision. I got to do this." And I say that because after the break, Jeff, we're going to talk about you know it's Birds three hundred and sixty five. We got to talk about the quarterback. And now you hear the whispers and Chris Mortensen. God, I love Chris. Just talking about Russell Wilson. The Eagles have wanted Russell Wilson since, what's your, 2012? Um, They're still trying to get Russell Wilson. (laughs) Still trying to get Russell Wilson. Have the Eagles already made their decision on Jalen Hurts? Um, Possibly they have. We're going to talk about that after the break. Like, subscribe, share. Check it media YouTube channel, first 365. More Johnny Mac and Jeff Kerr after the break. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 
or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. I got it right. It's always that better, John. That's the biggest hurdle for me this time of year. I never know what day it is. I never know what day it is. Every day feels like the same. It's Groundhog Day. Uh, And that's what NFL coaches deal with and always talk about. And you got to, you're always worried about the next opponents. But here on Birds 365, we're worried about bigger issues in the main events is always seemingly the quarterback in this town. And look, it just won't stop. And Chris Mortensen was probably the latest. And I forget where Chris said it. You might know, Jeff. I forget. It was a, it was a podcast. Whose podcast was it? Uh, Adam Schefter's. Adam. I want to give him credit. Uh, and And it was talking about the Eagles and moving forward at the quarterback position. Look, we've been talking about this forever. Um, what were the Eagles going to do? Were they going to make a move for Deshaun Watson, which never materialized anywhere um, and certainly wasn't going to materialize here because, number one, Deshaun Watson would not tra- uh, waive his no-trade clause to come here. Uh, and then you have all the legal entanglements on top of it. So that's on the back burner. Um, you know, people have brought – we talked about Aaron Rodgers at the beginning of the show and now the stuff that he's dealing with and he's going to be out for 10 days minimum Uh, certainly going to miss at least one game potentially two games and we'll see how that goes from there Uh, but as you know uh, the thought process is that this is Aaron's last year in Green Bay Uh, so he's uh, in the mix but you know, Aaron Rodgers is not going to come to the East Coast. He's just not. Um, so that probably checks off Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson. You go all the way back to this offseason, and Russell said, you know, maybe it's time for a new home. Maybe it's time for a change. And you remember his agent uh, gave a list of potential destinations which included, I believe, Chicago and New York, amongst a few others. I think Dallas was on there. One of 
of them. I think Denver uh, was the other. If I'm Denver, honest. Denver might have been the other. No Philadelphia, however, for whatever reason. Um, now guys can change their mind if the Eagles start showing that they have more talent than maybe people thought. Um, if people start to buy in on Nick Sirianni um, from a player perspective, maybe that people don't look at it and say you have an unproven head coach anymore. So all of this stuff is very fluid, as they say. But man, Jeff, I, I think it's pretty evident the Eagles understand maybe they don't know who it's going to be, but it's not going to be Jalen Hurts in 2022. Are you getting that feeling? I'm getting the feeling. I don't like the feeling right now. I have a feeling you should make that decision after the year because I do think young quarterbacks get better in this league. Now, I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is going to morph into a top-10 quarterback over these last nine games, but I feel like you got to try some stuff out with him. You know, I know Nick Sirianni is trying to do whatever he can right now. And I don't believe them running the ball 46 times disguises Jalen Hurts' deficiencies as a quarterback. I actually think it kind of helps the kid out personally. But I look at it as why don't we see if Jalen Hurts can throw the ball over the middle, can go to his left, can throw a deep ball a little bit more consistently, can do these things before we actually make the decision on this guy. And, but, if I'm being honest with myself, they are looking at another quarterback for next year. And I don't know who that's going to be. And I said, look, I, I would love Russell Wilson as much as the next guy. There's two problems. I really don't want to trade what it's going to take to get Russell Wilson, even though they have the capital. And two, Russell Wilson has a no trade clause. What makes you think he actually wants to come here and join this environment right now? And that's where I kind of feel Jalen Hurts might be this quarterback for next year, even though they don't want him to be. But I want to see them develop this kid. I want to see what he has. I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. I never went that route. But I feel Jalen Hurts can provide you with an extra dimension to this offense. And the Eagles haven't really tapped that yet. All right. Well, I, I want to take you two different directions. So I'll start with this one first. As you mentioned, you know, specifically Deshaun and and Russell Wilson have no trade clauses. Aaron Rodgers has this weird deal worked out with Green Bay. He's going to be able to direct where he's going to want to go as well. So on the surface, it doesn't look like they can get any of those three players who you know are star quarterbacks. I have, you know, I think earlier this week, uh, it was either with Jody or Joe Krause, I mentioned, if you put Aaron Rodgers on this team today, this Eagles team, they're a Super Bowl contender. I would agree with that. Uh, I, I, look, I'll say this. Everybody thinks Dallas is that much better than them. But if the Eagles have Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, they're right in the mix. They are in that elite six in the NFC right now. They're, they're definitely better than the Saints if they have him. And look, so that brings me, I, I agree with you. So I want, so that brings me back to what we were talking about the Rams. The Rams don't care. The Rams don't care about draft picks. Why does everybody care about draft picks? Why does everybody care about giving up draft picks for Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson? Who cares? You're not going to get a, a more impactful player with those draft picks. Odds are 
if you're a betting you're man. You're definitely not getting a quarterback this year. I think no. you're going to get impact players, but you're definitely not getting a quarterback this year. So why is everyone so obsessed with that philosophy of, oh, we have to keep this for the future other than getting and, – and Tom Brady has proven in, you know, obviously he's an outlier, but Aaron himself has proven – you can play at a high level in the modern NFL at quarterback till your late thirties minimum because of all the protections um, baked into the game now. So why does everyone care about draft picks over getting that type of quarterback? You say it's only going, first of all, here's what gets me going, Jeff. You say it's only two or three years. That's all you're worried about anyway in football. You don't know what's going to happen. Rams don't care now, what right? they're doing five years. No. They don't care what they're doing two years from now. No. They, they bottom out. They, it's, they get that Vince Lombardi trophy. They, they could care less. Well, let's look at the – remember in the offseason, everybody's talking about Carson Wentz's dead money and the Eagles' salary cap woes. You you wake up today. What's today? November. Yeah, salary cap woes, I wasn't aware because everything I look at says this is – if Allie Rosen would ever get fired, this would be the dream GM job right now. Yeah. November 4th, um, I think Jacksonville has the most cap space in the NFL. The Eagles are second <laughs> after, after the offseason. So that my point is things change very quickly in the NFL. So don't worry about five years down the road. Worry about two years down the road, especially if you can get a superstar quarterback. Now, if you can't get one of those guys, then we go to the draft. The name I keep hearing, Jeff Kerr, is Kenny Pickett, That's Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett. And I'm, I'm not disparaging any draft guy. I'm not talking about draft guys, Twitter guy. I'm not. I'm talking about NFL people. And let's be honest, whether you agree with them or not, that's all that matters at the end of the day, because they're the guys making the decision and they believe that Kenny Pickett is the guy rising up the board. Now, I don't know if he's going to be number one overall, but you know how this goes. With you know, Kenny Pickett's taken an interesting trajectory that a former university of Pittsburgh quarterback took once upon a time. Yeah. You know where I'm yeah. going with this here. Yeah. So, and, so the Eagles right now have two top ten picks. I forget where the Indianapolis pick is. It's right it, on. What is it? Is it two, nine, and ten? Is that? Yeah, it? it could be. Yeah, two. So you look at Tankathon. Yeah, I think you're right. It's two, nine, and ten. They can do whatever they want to go get Kenny Pickett. Now that's a more difficult decision. Because man, you have to might you might have to go up from two to one depending on what happens. Probably not. It's going to be Jacksonville, and they're not. Uh, not uh, or or it's going to be Detroit actually. So Detroit would be more likely. Houston would be in that conversation as well. Um, they would be more likely uh, to take a quarterback. So you might have to go up from two to one. And you might have to give up nine and ten to get up to one. How upset would that make Eagles fans? Um, it would be upsetting. I'll, I'll say this though: you're at two. 
if you're at two, if you say Kenny Pickett gets drafted at one, you're running that phone. You're drafted Kayvon Thibodeau. No ifs, ands, or buts. But I would, it would hurt for them to give up all that draft capital to move up one spot. And you saw how much the Chicago Bears gave up to move up one spot for Mitch Trubisky, which, by the way, inadvertently led the 49ers to use all that future draft capital to get up and get Trey Lance. So there's going to be teams that, especially when they know Kenny Pickett is going to be the guy. And I've heard the same thing you have. You know, draft Twitter could say all they want about Matt Corral. They could say all they want about Carson Strong. Uh, our streamers can tell me about Carson Strong, the lump blue in the face. Well, guess what? That's not the guy I'm hearing. Like, the Eagles can pick Matt Corral or Carson Strong at 9 or 10 if they choose to do that. But I am not wasting the number two overall pick on that. If you really believe Kenny Pickett's going to be the next quarterback for 15 years, I hate to do all that to move up a spot, but you might have to. And it's always about the evaluation of a player, and that's my point. If you love a quarterback that much and you're convinced he's the guy, you got to go get him. You got to go get him. But in in another way, Jeff, that's why I think it's it's so much easier to go get the proven guy. I mean, I I I mean, I don't know how other way to say this, but and we'll put Deshaun Watson aside, um, because there are other issues you have to deal with as well, obvious ones that. You know, you're going to take a significant public relations hit. You're going to have to convince the fan base that this isn't the worst human being in the world. And you convince half your fan base, essentially, to go get the certain quarterback on the Texans, I will not mention. Yeah. So, I mean, there's complications with Deshaun Watson. Not from a football, from, from a pure football standpoint, it's a no-brainer. But, it, but again, it's not pure football, and we saw that in Las Vegas uh, with the horrific incident uh, that happened there. But Speaking of which, I got to go off topic. Did you see Kadarius Tony's tweet? I did not. Oh, right. uh, uh, when you get a chance, look at it. Um, boy, the Giants are in trouble. I'll just say that. I'm sure our streamers have seen it. Uh, well, now I have to look at it, but I'll, I'll do, I'll try to do that in the break. But um what oh uh, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, and again, you're not going to be able to convince uh, him to come here. I don't think. I don't think you're going to be able to convince Russell Wilson to come here. So maybe it is, you know, already done for you, and there's nothing you can do. It very similar to, you know, Jeffrey Lurie gave Howie Roseman the green light to go get Deshaun Watson. Uh, months ago, but he won't wa- waive his no trade clause at this point. Um, so that is a more difficult decision. To me, it's the easiest decision in the world. Tell me why I'm wrong, Jeff Kerr. If I can convince Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson to come here, it's the easiest decision in the world for me. And I'm giving up whatever I have to give up. I'll tell you what, it's it's funny because I value the first round picks too because I think there's a lot of holes that be that are needed on this roster. Unfortunately, one of them is probably quarterback. And I'm sorry, Russell Wilson, before he got hurt, 
was going to have the most touchdown passes for 10 seasons, beating Peyton Manning. It's actually kind of insane when you think about it. I don't care if it's passing league or not now. That It's Russell Wilson. The guy has over 4,000 rushing yards in his career already. The guy is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He probably should have two Super Bowls. No, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say probably. He should have two Super Bowls. Pete Carroll's a moron. But this guy is a winner. He wins everywhere he goes. He's never had a losing season. It's clear, cut, and dry. I'm a big Russell Wilson fan. I would love to see him in Midnight Green next year. I'll tell you what, John. You you say that Aaron Rodgers would make this team a Super Bowl contender. I think Dallas fans would be just absolutely keying themselves if the Eagles got Russell Wilson. They can say whatever they want. They can say whatever they want about how they're better than the Eagles. The Eagles compete with them with Russell Wilson at quarterback. All right, so that's what I want to ask you, Jeff. You agree with me that if if Aaron Rodgers is here, the Eagles are right now, they're a Super Bowl contender. So you agree with me, and you're saying the same thing about Russell Wilson, and I agree with you. So why the hand-wringing? Why the hand-wringing about first-round picks? I mean, yeah, I'd love to have everybody. I'd love to get, you know, Russell Wilson for a seventh and a conditional six. I like Kayvon Thibodeau, too, so let's not get carried. I, I still love good defense. Like, this but, is what I have grow with Reggie White and William Fuller. Well, but, all right, if you're going to make me decide, I want the quarterback, and I want the quarterback that's going to make me a contender. Look look at Miles Garrett. I mean, Miles Garrett is a phenomenal player, and you have to be phenomenal to be the number one overall pick in a modern NFL, when you're not a quarterback, you know you're good. If you're if you're that guy, you're you're tremendous. And Miles Garrett has turned out to be that type of player for the Cleveland Browns. Now, what does it do for you? It's great to have. But does, when, doesn't Cleveland have an issue right now with a certain position? that we're not sure about, even though they're really good. Who was also a number one overall pick, yes, but that's was. that's my point. One can put you over the top, and one can't. So to me, it's, it's pretty easy. Remember, we're not talking about Kenny Pickett. I'm talking about the proven guys. We know Aaron Rodgers can play. We know... He's going to Canton. We know he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Same thing with Russell Wilson. What's what's to worry about? Other than things you can't control. And football coaches always say control what you can control. You can't legislate injuries. You can't say, oh, you know, maybe it blows up in your face. But that's that's the NFL in general. You can't worry about that kind of stuff. That's why I think that's why I love the situation the Eagles are in right now because they can pick if they want to get Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, or they can pick if they want to draft a quarterback or just say, you know what, we're just going to use our draft capital and we're going to draft these. We're going to draft three impact players at different positions. That's why it's the ability to pick and choose. You just got to choose the right decision here. But if I'm I'm Howie Rosen, I'm going after Russell Wilson, and I love Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts has a lot of potential, but. This is why I want them to develop Jalen Hurts because in the offset, he might be half decent. You may be able to give him up and not give up one of those draft picks. You can have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, I, I see, I don't understand. I don't understand, Jeff. I don't understand. What you just said, I'm going to quote Jeff Kerr because I'm a reporter, might be half decent. 
I don't want might be half decent. Isn't that a terrible thing to say? Ralph? He might be half decent. Might, yeah, you're going on a date. Yeah, he might be half decent. Yeah. I'm, I'm I, I, I don't want. I, I want Ciara. I want Ciara in Philadelphia. How can we convince Ciara to get Russell? You got to get her that one-two step. It's, yeah. You know to what? Get I, I got to get talking to Russ's PR people. Be like it. Yeah, I, I actually said something to DK Metcalf this year, and I asked him, you know, if he wants to be in Seattle. He goes, he had to mention Russell Wilson. I'm like, oh, man. So if Russ would go, who goes with him? Have yeah. your cake and eat it too, right? Well, and then, yeah, then you start, we talk about, you know, for years, the Eagles were a premium destination because of Andy Reid. Uh, in the success they had. And also, you know, the Doug Peterson era, people wanted to come here coming off the Super Bowl. And now we're in a little bit of a different era where people don't want to come here. And they look at an unproven head coach and they look at the quarterback situation. It, one fell swoop with the veteran quarterback and you're back into the situation you want to be want to be into where people will come here you remember all sean jeffrey all sean jeffrey turned down multiple years and far more money to come to philadelphia now the vikings to come to philadelphia yeah um because he thought which is also ironic he thought carson wentz was going to be a championship level uh quarterback and he was right for a very short period of time and everything uh, went astray, and ironically, Alshon became disenfranchised with the quarterback that he came here for. Uh, so life is funny. It moves very, very quickly is what I'm trying to say. And that's why, especially in today's league, just go, you know, Denver's going to get Aaron Rodgers. You know, I, I – San Francisco is the dumbest organization in the oh, history yeah, of sports. Yeah, don't even get me started with what the, how the 49ers blew this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, first of all, they could have drafted the guy way back when. They made the wrong decision, not that Alex Smith. He's Alex Smith paid for it. <laughs> yeah. Alex Smith, he wanted, he's from San Francisco. He's from the area. He wanted to play there. Um, loved the franchise. Loved Joe Montana. Wanted to play there. They made the wrong decision way back when. And usually when you make the wrong decisions in life, you don't get a mulligan. Well, they got a mulligan. They got a mulligan. They knew that Aaron Rodgers wanted out of Green Bay, but they weren't patient enough to wait. <clears throat> they weren't patient enough to wait. And they use all that draft capital, as you mentioned, to get Trey Lance. And now they're stuck with Trey Lance. Now maybe Trey Lance turns into a superstar, but again, you're they're in a position where I don't want the Eagles to be in, crossing their fingers and counting on developing a young, raw quarterback into a guy that you hope at the end of the day could maybe be 50% of the player you could have had. That's what's crazy about it. I was trying <laughs> to explain this yesterday with Jordan Love making this first start this week. Jordan Love is actually kind of like Aaron Rodgers in how Matt LaFleur is going to use it. That offense, that Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, that tree, it's basically like you hit the three-pointer or you get the layup. 
And Jordan Love's going to have his layups on Sunday. Can he convert them? We're not sure, but they're going to go deep a couple times at Devonta Adams. Jordan Love's got the arm to do it. And that's why I don't think Green Bay is really threatened if they lose it. I, I mean, Greg, it's Aaron Rodgers. Don't get me wrong. Jordan oh, they're, they're Rodgers. But I think they kind of have a plan of what they're saying. I don't know what they're planning. Jimmy Garoppolo does not fit that system. Trey Lance is a better fit for that system because he can run and he can extend the play a bit. That's what they want. But Kyle Shanahan, Kyle, I'll, I'll tell you what, Kyle. By the way, is Kyle Shanahan the most overrated coach yes. in the NFL? Yes, it's the system. It's look, I, I, I think Kyle Shanahan's descendants are better than Kyle Shanahan, if that makes sense. Uh, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, guys like that. By the way, how is Washington not win anything with that coaching staff? It's insane. They have McVay. They have Matt LaFleur. Well, have I, I don't know. I see. I'm, I'm not as big as on on Matt LaFleur as you are. I mean, I think you and I could win. I, that's how much respect I have for Aaron Rodgers. I, I think you and I – I think you and I could win 13 games with that team. Uh, I don't know. I, I find a way to burn timeouts. Well, I, I'm exaggerating. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, you and I could win 10. All right. I'm going to give Nick Sirianni could win 13. Now, John, do you know your headset turns off with 15 seconds left? That's all that matters. Joe Judge could win eight. <laughs> I'll take Joe Judge. <laughs> We're giving him too much credit here for yeah. being an NFL head coach. No, but but my larger point is, is um, on on Matt Lafleur and, and and Kyle Shanahan. Um, it frustrates me. Like Kyle Shanahan wants Kirk. He still wants Kirk Cousins. I don't get it. I, I, why? I get the Vikings if you want Kirk Cousins. Well, and he'd probably do a better job than speaking of bad coaches than their coach uh, right now. It coaches every game like it's 1975. But, and he's arrogant about it, too. Yeah, and there's a lot of bad coaches. There's a lot. And that's why I say the Green Bay fans are the most spoiled fans in the NFL because they've had Hall of Fame quarterback play uninterrupted for 30 years. It's beautiful, Think about that. It's beautiful. I uh, remember when they were getting good again with Brett Favre and – I, I just remember people coming out of the woodwork. They're all of a sudden Packers fans. I'm like, where were you guys in the last, you know, in the eighties? And they were God awful. And, you know. Yeah. And people forget, you know, between Bart Starr and Brett Favre, it was bad. You know, Don Mikowski's of the world, the Lynn Dickies of the world. But that's, <laughs> but that's, but that's the point. When you get the quarterback, everything is masked. People say, well, Green Bay's so good. Green Bay's so good. Green Bay's so good. No. They're not so good. The quarterback's so good. And that's why I'm saying you change one piece of the puzzle and you trade Aaron Rodgers for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are the Packers and the Packers are the Eagles. By the way, you want a perfect example? The Denver Broncos. They were nothing before Peyton. Peyton signs there. All of a sudden you get... Brandon Stokely to come, Wes Welker to come, Demarius Thomas comes in all pro. TJ Ward literally told me during the Super Bowl, I went to Denver because Peyton Manning was there. He only played on the same side of the ball as him. Yeah. And, you know, Von Miller, he becomes a Hall of Famer because of all that. They win the Super Bowl because of their defense. Their defense is great. Their offense is great. And Denver loses Peyton Manning, and all of a sudden you get Trevor Simeon, Drew Locke, Brett Rippin, all those <laughs> guys. They're still looking for a court. By the yeah. way, they're going to get Aaron Rodgers because yeah. – 
they have so much draft capital now, it doesn't matter. And and but I hesitate to go down this path because there aren't a lot of these guys. I think that's what people don't understand. So most of the league, you can win in other ways. Your just margin of error is much smaller. So in the Eagles' case, they have to hope. What was your quote, Jeff? They have to hope that maybe Jalen Hurts becomes half okay. decent. Might be half decent. Might be half decent. Then they have to have a great defense. They have to have a great run again. They have to have everything perfect working in lockstep. And maybe you can make a run on a particular season. Now, the consistency is not going to be there. You know, the, you brought up Peyton Manning. The most impressive thing, I think, who I think is the best regular season quarterback of all time, and Tom Moore, who um, a lot of is a lot, of, a lot of years, one of my favorite, I don't know if it's, it's either my favorite or second favorite quote in NFL history is from Tom Moore. And somebody asked him, didn't cover the Colts on a on a consistent basis. It was it was during the Super Bowl week, and somebody asked him, um, didn't know how NFL teams practice, and they said, "Why why don't you give?" I think Jim Sorgi was the backup at the time. Why don't you give uh, the backup any reps in case? And Tom Moore, anybody who's ever met Tom, he just looked at him and said, "We can do this on YouTube, Jeff." He looked at him and said. If 18 gets hurt, we're fucked and we don't practice fuck. <laughs> which was which was to me just phenomenal. I, I do I remember saying I remember when Jim Sorge would come in and I'm like, wait, the Colts are gonna blow a perfect season because they, they want Jim Sorge to play quarterback? Yeah. Or are they that worried about Peyton getting hurt? It's what a weird time. The whole point of that Colts during that era and then the Broncos. You would start, you would go into a season saying, okay, we're going to start with 10 wins. That's like the default setting, double digits. That's a bad year. A good year, you'd get to 13 or 14. And, you know, that was your sliding scale. That's how consistent. You know, the the Eagles were like that a lot in the early 2000s. It was if... They start two and three, and the sky's falling. And I'm yeah. like, Andy Reid will fix this. He's got yeah. a franchise quarterback. He's got elite defense. Guys are going to get it. That's why I keep saying with Kansas City, I'm like, give me Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I don't care if they're four. And that's where I'm trying to get to. And that's where I'm trying to get to, that consistency. You don't want to make the run. You can, and like I said, if everything's clicking on all cylinders, you got a good defense, a good running game. You got a quarterback who can maybe do some things. You can make a run on a particular year. What you want to be able to do is what Andy Reid created with all the NFC championship games. You know, the more times you get there, the more chances the stars align and you get over the hump and you get one. Ultimately didn't happen until he got to Kansas City. So that to me is the ultimate goal of every NFL team. And if you can get the quarterback, you're a lot closer than if you don't have the quarterback. Look at how much Dick Vermeil's career changed and all those players changed with the Rams. Marshall Falk, great player, probably would have been a Hall of Famer anyway. Lock with Kurt Warner. Isaac Bruce, going to the Hall of Fame because of Kurt Warner, even though he was good before him. Torrey Holt will probably go to the Hall. Kurt Warner's going to – Dick Vermeil's going to go to the Hall of Fame. It all connects. 
It does all connect. And what connects next? I'm going to steal from Jody McDonald, Jeff Kerr. It's time to put a bow on the show. Special Johnny Mac edition with Jeff Kerr. Birds 365. We'll wrap it up after the break. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mets and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Wrapping up a Thursday edition. I did get 1% better. I think I got Thursday correct uh, four out of five times, Jeff. Carson Wentz and Mike White play tonight, so it is Thursday. Yeah, that's a good point. Carson Wentz versus Mike White. We were going to have um, Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers this week. Uh, That has been taken away from us. O OBJ Odell Beckham is excused from practice again. Oh, yeah. I put that he's excused. How long before he goes down the mental health route like Ben Simmons? Who knows? We'll stay tuned for that. 
Uh, and Eagles Chargers, we got to get back into that. You're going to be here tomorrow, right, Jeff Gard? Uh I believe so. I didn't get the the exact call yet, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to be here. All right, so we'll dive deeper to the Eagles Chargers on tomorrow's program, which is to me it's an interesting matchup because Chargers. This is a winnable game for the Eagles, um, but I always say, uh, you know, winnable games are also losable games you know, by nature. In other words, they're a good team. They're not a great team. Um, and the Eagles should have a chance to win this game. One of the issues, Jeff, we'll get into tomorrow as well, is this team is three and five. All three wins on the road. They haven't been able to win at Lincoln Financial Field. And that used to be one of the best home field advantages in football. Now, part of it is the competition. You've had some pretty significant competition. Tampa Bay, the reigning Super Bowl champions, Kansas City, the reigning AFC champions, San Francisco, everybody thought they were going to be a playoff team at the beginning of the season. Hasn't worked out, but still plenty of talent on that team. So it hasn't been easy, but man, you got to win one at home, don't you? You would think, right? You know, I picked the Lions last week because I thought karma was going to kind of catch up. Like, teams just don't lose 12 in a row, and they don't start 0-8, and and Jared Goff is bound to win one without Sean McVay as his head coach, and yet it still happened. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, the Eagles are 0-7-1 against their last day AFC opponents. They have lost four at home. First time since 2012, 2013, you know, you would feel pressed to think they're going to win one, right? I mean, the Chargers are a better football team than that, but you're right. Like, they're at home. They should be able to win one of these tough football games. I almost thought they were going to pull it off in Tampa Bay if they would have got a break here and there, but they got to win one at home at some point. Maybe the Giants will be that way. Did you hear Jason Kelsey's comments yesterday, Jeff? No, I didn't. Uh, I was too enthralled to vote to Beckham and Jordan Love stuff. What, what did he say yesterday? Well, as you know, Jason is always great, always honest. Uh, his, you know, the one that caught on is he talked about the only reason he still plays football is the, oh, cafeteria, the cafeteria comment, the yeah. cafeteria comment, and and the locker room. But beyond that, they, uh, deeper into the conversation. He got asked about why the Eagles haven't won at home uh, and all their wins have come on the road. And he kind of threw in there and he wasn't being negative. He wasn't trying to be mean. He, he just said, I think that, and I'm paraphrasing, I think Jim Schwartz's defense was better equipped for home. In other words, going hard after the quarterback, there's so much noise um, it's really difficult for the opposing team with the silent counts. He thought that type of defense gave them a far bigger edge at home. And I just thought it was, wow, I, I'm surprised more people didn't pick up on that because you know how Philadelphia are and they'll think he's throwing Jonathan Gannon under the bus. He wasn't, but he brought up a good point. It's It's true when – you know, when you have teams that come after you at home and you're on the road and you've got the silent count, it becomes really, really difficult to pass block. I, you know, that that actually is funny because 
in my opinion, I always thought the Eagles lost to them because they're too busy playing party in the USA during commercials instead of actual football music, but uh, I digress. <laughs> but, but yeah, you, you're right. It, it just seems like and maybe it's just how the fan base is used to things, you know, blitzing at home and going, like you said, well, just yeah. going after the quarterback and kind of putting that stamp on, like, this is our house. We're afraid of coming here. And you just don't see that with, this football team, especially this defense, it's just let's just dink and dunk our way into the end zone and dink and dunk. We'll get more into that tomorrow. We'll get our our predictions on the game. We'll get on the record for that. Stay tuned. I'm already day. on the record. Yeah, <laughs> it's already in print. John. All right, foreshadowing. Jeff Kerr, who'd you pick? Now wait, keep it till tomorrow. I don't want to know. CBSSports.com. Right. You can find out. CBSSports.com for Jeff Kerr. Um, stick here on the Jacob Media YouTube page. We got the middle with our friends Aton Shander, Harry Mays, Barrett Brooks, then the National Football Show with Dan Cilio, uh, Football 24-7 with myself, First 365 on demand at any time. Like, subscribe, share. And we'll see you in about 22 hours talking Eagles Chargers on a football Friday. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.